0: Welcome to the partnership economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first.
1: All right. Welcome. I'm Dave Ivano, the CEO of impact.com, and I'm excited to be joined today by Stefan DeLang, CMO of Booktopia. It's Australia's largest online bookstore. So welcome, Stefan. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here today. Congrats on all the success. I mean, it's just really incredible the size that you've gotten to in Australia and New Zealand. Could you maybe just start out and share just a little bit about the Booktopia brand and everything that you're doing out there?
0: Yeah, of course. So Booktopia is a pure play online retailer. or At least that's what we're well known for out here in the Australian and Pacific region. So the business was founded 17 years ago by three marketers, a guy called Tony and his brother and their brother-in-law started up a digital agency, did the conversion rate optimization and many different digital services for a lot of businesses out here in Australia. And then at a point, they wanted to do a little side project by selling books online Because one of their clients was a bookstore out here, and they were convinced that they could sell products online, but not everybody was completely convinced about that. So they decided to set this up as a side project, a bit of a side hustle, if you will. And I guess fast forward a bit of time, they really got some traction on this and kept growing the business organically. And it kept growing with such a speed that at a point they decided to say, well, this really has the merit for something bigger. So they decided to stop doing the digital agency and go over into full-time on growing this new venture with selling books online. And then over the years, there was an organically grown company where they reinvested all the profits into more stock and more availability and growing the market. And as such, the business never really took any funding until some years ago. And now today, the business has grown to 220 full-time employees. We have multiple warehouses here in Sydney right now. We have 150,000 individual SKUs that we have in stock. And we have a total of a million products in inventory at the moment. We sell 6 million products on our website. And last year, we had around 50 million visits to our website. As a good example, we sell a unit every 3.8 seconds, I think it is right now. So high turnover inventory, we're spitting out somewhere between thirty and 40,000 units every single day at the moment and send around 260 million emails a year. Significant Mm -hmm. amount of units being put in and put out every single day. Mm -hmm. So it's really grown from being this bootstrap little side project to a Mm -hmm. full-blown e-commerce steamrolling behemoth, if you will, and Mm -hmm. now becoming the biggest bookstore here in Australia. Over the years, we've added a few more verticals. So we also do publishing. So we publish our own books as well. And we do wholesale and distribution where due to the advanced nature of our logistics systems, we also Mm -hmm. offer that same logistical capacity to other bookstores and independents. So we provide many bookstores out here in Australia with the books that they buy wholesale. We IPO'd on the Australian Stock Exchange here last year, where we got additional funding, additional capital, and that's a bit of the journey that we've been on.
1: Really amazing. And it does seem like you've created this incredible brand that consumers really love, which I think is unique. Could you share a little bit about how you did that? Just a couple of pro tips that went into creating such a strong brand and relationship with the end consumer?
0: I'll probably go against the stream here. I think every marketer and CMO wants to talk big game and buzzwords about it. But I honestly believe that most companies' brands are being built by doing the right thing day in, day out. Show up and do your best for your customer every single day. And what that means in e-commerce, it's quite simple, really. Make sure that the products that you're saying you have in stock, make sure that you have them in stock. If you're saying you're going to be sending out the products on a particular day, send it out by that day or earlier. So Mm -hmm. always... Overdeliver deliver on your promises and make mm-hmm. sure that you have a fan of, or rather a legion of ambassadors in your customers and you're creating the self-fulfilling word of mouth from your customers. Mm-hmm. Your customers mm-hmm. need to be your core ambassadors. That's really the strength of the brand. And that's how the company grew organically over the last 17 years in a market where everybody said, well, what about Amazon? Or, you can't mm-hmm. sell books online. You know, that game is over. Mm-hmm. But every single year, we've been growing with more than 25% compounded mm-hmm. annual growth rate. Mm-hmm. Never had an unprofitable year. We've been profitable since day one. I think it really speaks volumes to the resilience of building a strong brand by always taking the customer first, doing the right thing and exceeding expectations all the time.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. You know, on this podcast, we're trying to explore the potential for partnerships to really drive business and wanted to maybe first ask you directly how do you define and think about partnerships inside of Booktopia? And then maybe second, What's the role that they're playing inside your organization for driving growth, especially compared to some other more traditional revenue acquisition channels like sales or other marketing plays?
0: For me, a partnership is a relationship. And I look at partnerships in the same way as I look at any kind of relationship. What's your relationship with your wife? What's your relationship with your children, your colleagues, your business, anything really? Well, for any kind of relationship to sustain, you need to have respect in it. You need to have Equal value. Both parties need to feel that they're getting something out of it and they can be themselves and that their growth agenda and where they want to excel and flourish that needs to be listened to and it needs to be catered for. So any good relationship requires that people go into it while looking at what can we do to grow together? What can we do to support each other? And how can we make sure that this become long lasting and that both parties get something out of it? So I look at any kind of partnership in the same light and I want to go out and build relationships in business with other businesses where I feel like there's great symbiotic value between the two brands and the customer overlay. Maybe we have Mm -hmm. similar customer profiles. Maybe we have similar growth agenda. Maybe we have similar business and operational agendas and priorities. And then I look at what can we do together to strengthen each other? And how can we grow Mm -hmm. together? And the way that we've been looking at that is, of course, what kind of partners and what kind of relationships can you have in a pure play online retailer, like a bookstore, like us. Well, there's many different kinds. Because we sell books, this is a product that is being produced by a creative, an artist have written this book. Like You have a musician that's writing or composing a song. Here, you have an author that's writing a book and they themselves are going to be requiring to have a fan base, like a musician or a movie store or something like that. Anybody who produces content needs to have a following and typically have a following. So... In that relationship, one of our biggest partnerships is influences, of course, where the actual authors themselves have large communities and large fan bases that they communicate to. And there's really nothing more powerful than when an uh, author goes out and says, this is the book that I wrote by the Booktopia. Mm-hmm. Nothing more powerful than that. Mm-hmm. That's the trust. That comes from the creator of the product themselves. And people listen to Mm -hmm. that, particularly when it's the people who've created the content Mm -hmm. themselves. Outside of that, we also work with large scale strategic partnerships where we're looking at what kind of joint marketing, what kind of joint branding can we do together? What kind of programs can we do with large enterprises that might have even more reach? Maybe they work in areas that we don't cater too well for, which is offline. The offline world, we don't cater for that too much because we're an online retail store. So maybe we can work with other companies that are completely offline and have an opportunity for us to go out and bring our brand in front of an audience offline that we typically wouldn't have been able to do unless we did billboards or anything physical.
1: Could you maybe share a couple examples of partnerships that you're really excited about? And on this podcast, we use the term partnerships to talk about the broader scope of just alliances that businesses are having to reach that deep connection with the consumer in a more authentic and informative way. You know, It's not just about the traditional affiliate rewards types of publishers where you're going to get cash back or a coupon for a book sale at Booktopia. Those are important too. They play a role for sure. But I know that you've got some unique partnership types out there. You just mentioned one, I think I picked up on here, how you're connecting with those that are reviewing books or authors and having them talk about Booktopia as a place to buy this book that they're excited about. Could you give us a couple examples of these different types? And then secondly to that, how you're set up as a team, as a business development team, to go and forge those alliances or those partnerships to get them referring you business?
0: I'll speak to two big ones. They're a little bit different in their nature than typical partnerships might be. We did a relationship with Panadol. The mother company there would be KlaxoSmithKline. The campaign really was at a post-level. That meant that when you as a consumer went out into a pharmacy, you would go into the pharmacy and then at a post-level, so at the point of sale, when you came up to the cash register, there would be a pamphlet there or some material that you could see that had a campaign around Panadol. And within that campaign was that if you buy a children's Panadol today, then you would also be able to redeem a free children's ebook. That was executed with a QR code that you could immediately just scan at the actual point of sale. All you got to do was buy the children's Panadol at the register. And then mm-hmm. now you also got a free ebook. And through that, we then, of course, provided additional value to Panadol or Panadol's customers and mm-hmm. Booktopia got a new customer into its ecosystem. And within that, we had a specific landing page created that when you came in on the website, it would be Panadol branded and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's one example of where we were doing quite a unique partnership. And all this can, of course, be tracked with the technologies in place to make sure that redemptions are handled correctly. Mm-hmm. And we also did one with Audi, which was a little bit different as well. Now, the Panadol example is, of course, completely offline and happened in an offline world. The Audi was the same. With Audi, they got provided a lot of coupon codes for product. And they offered to all their new car owners, everybody who bought a new Audi car, got a little extra gift from Audi. That was sent out as a physical mail, so a letter that said, Mm -hmm. thank you for buying your new car. Here's a little bonus for you. And that little bonus was a free book around road tripping here in Australia, Mm -hmm. where you could then go directly in on an Audi-branded landing page on Booktopia. Mm -hmm. It was an easy entry point into our ecosystem there. You could go in and it was curated with the Audi brand, the wonderful look and feel to really stimulate that driving sensation that they wanted to Mm -hmm. do with Audi owners. And then within that landing page were a lot of books around the best places to drive to here in Australia to do Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic road trips. So all of these are again, kind of unique partnerships that's really providing some benefit to both parties. So that's typical in terms of the more creative side with other brands completely offline and tapping into other universes. But we also do with the likes of Disney as well. We've been doing campaigns with Disney. We have a big one out here right now, which is a partnership with a company called Growth Faculty. And Growth Faculty is probably one of the largest, if not the largest, Destinations for upskilling. It is a platform that provides you with keynotes and presentations from the likes of Simon Sinek and Rob Kiyosaki and Simon Collins mm-hmm. and all these personas and profiles within self help within the business industry. And within this platform, which really is you log in and you pay for a ticket and you can see all these people either live or online. But within that, all of these people who are these self help gurus, they have mass followings, but most of them also wrote books. So a lot of these tours that they're going on, is also selling books. And within that, Booktopia is the exclusive partner of Set books. And all of that is created within a virtual ecosystem where there's like a virtual bookstore, almost like virtual reality environment, but not, of course, actual virtual or not in a 3D environment, but more of a, you log in on your laptop and your PC and you have all these visuals that looks like a physical bookstore that's tied into the event. And within that, you can see the books that's coming from this person. Those are some of the more creative partnerships that we're rolling with right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, when you look at the work that's happening there, this certainly isn't the coin-operated world of advertising, where you're designing ads and you're filling holes in a page and trying to get people to click through and purchase. You know, There's some real business development work. There's some real strategy that's happening here. Could you give us a sense of the shape and size of your team that's doing this kind of work?
0: Yeah, because we look at the relationships, and partnerships in a few different lights, and strategically, we've restructured the entire marketing team to really be able to cater for the different areas of partnerships and relationships in a business in our area. E-commerce certainly has, which is against the again the influencers, the high-level strategic, and then you also of course have your regular affiliate like cashback sites mm-hmm. and other one-way stream people clicking and getting a clip of the ticket. But because there are three major. Silos, if you will, of partnerships within e-commerce. I've structured the team after that. That means that we actually have a dedicated mm-hmm. partnership team that function as my right hand team on all strategic high level, high scale, complex partnerships. That's really about building mutual brand benefits. These are the Disney's of the world. These are the growth faculties of the world. These are the complex high level negotiation with complex structures, complex offering. Maybe it's joint product, maybe it's joint offerings or whatever it might be. So there's a team handling that completely isolated due to its Mm -hmm. complexities. Then we have another team that's sitting in the performance team, which is your typical and traditional affiliate. It could be a cashback site. These are more the kind of partnerships and relationships where you know that they're not going to be going out and doing anything specifically for you. They're not going to be doing mass emails or talking about your brand all the time. Maybe they have a lot Mm -hmm. of other partners. Maybe they're price comparison sites, maybe they're service comparison sites, maybe they're providing some kind of service themselves and you're just one of the many partners that they have and you're not going to be getting any special favors. You're one amongst the many. For those who have one team that's really, really good at looking at both cannibalization and new customer acquisition and structuring up commercial deals incredibly vigorously around profitability and making sure that what we're doing on those sides are incremental and not cannibalizing. And then that's a very, very commercially oriented team, if you will, versus the other one, strategic partnerships was very much over tapping into brand and above the line and a high level strategic on the value side versus Mm -hmm. the commercial side. And then finally, we have a third team, which is around the influencers and everything that we're doing there. This is, again, the team that sits in our content team and our social media and brand team. It sits in the world of content experts and social media experts where they live and breathe. Social and communities, and creating and starting and engaging in online conversations. And let's be frank; that's where most people are being influenced in terms of what they want to buy. They hear it from friends yeah. or in communities online, mm-hmm. or get inspired by what they search and find online. This team is then mm-hmm. responsible for catering all of that, like what people are searching for, it. Mm-hmm. and again building up these influencer relationships with high-profile individuals that mm-hmm. have a following and can go out and, and talk about Booktopia.
1: Yeah, I'm just curious. sounds like you do, but do you and your team share that same belief that consumers aren't just doing any impulse purchase of pretty much anything today. They are putting the work in, like they're doing their own research and they're looking for what other people have to say about Booktopia before they're going to buy a book from you. And it's critical that you get your brand as part of that information that's being provided by an influencer, by some other publisher, or even some other business as where to go and buy a book, essentially. Is that kind of the way that you think of it?
0: A hundred percent. And that's perhaps the prerogative of being in e-commerce as well. Everybody within the business have many years within e-commerce and online, I guess, Mm -hmm. sales and persuasion within the online environment. And everybody needs to understand the consideration stage in the user journey of all customers online. And they do. Within that sits, of course, that performance marketing is a very demand-driven and demand-oriented discipline where you're looking at tapping into an existing demand. What we use with a lot of our partnerships is really creating demand as well. As we talked about before, you were going mm-hmm. down into the pharmacy to buy children's pen at all. You weren't thinking books for a second until we That's made you. Mm-hmm. We put children's and children's health in the same sentence as books. Mm-hmm. and as parenthood. We look at everything around the customer journey, the customer experience, and how mm-hmm. can we tap into that? and How can we be relevant? And where are the conversations and where are they happening? When are people talking about books? And it's different for every single cohort that we're catering for. For the people who read five or six romance novels a month and consume that with great vigor, binging, if you will, there's a different kind of consideration that needs to take into play there. They're probably part of book clubs, you know, and you need to be part of book clubs as well. They're probably looking Mm -hmm. at all the different websites that's rating books all the time. You need to be there and be part of those conversations as well. And then, of course, you have the people that might be the consummate professionals. Maybe they watch Netflix, but when they're consuming Mm -hmm. books to get better professionally or get inspired professionally, then they consume books. That's a different kind of journey as well. And they're highly influenced by the people that they look up to in business, like we talked about before, the Salmon Sienics of the world or the mm-hmm. Tim Collins of the world. There, you need to be part of those conversations. And, and maybe you don't have the cloud or the leverage to get them to talk about your retail brand. But again, we still found a way to then work with another partner who had them in their ecosystem. And then you're tapping into that. So it's really about figuring out where the conversations are happening mm-hmm. about your products and your verticals and how can you yeah, tell
1: Yeah, know your customer. I love that insight as hey, really? to really be more relevant basically in the daily life of the consumer that you're trying to do business with and just know that they are sourcing a lot of information right now before making their buying decisions and getting yourself aligned with that information is essential.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Impact.com, the leading global partnership management platform. Impact.com is your marketplace to discover and manage all types of partnerships, including affiliates, influencers, B2B partners, and commerce content publishers.
1: I'm curious, as you roll up those three teams within your partnerships. so everything that you're doing within partnerships inside of Booktopia, I'm just curious, What is that contributing to your revenue acquisition relative to I don't know Facebook advertising, search, some other things? Like how big is you don't have to give me an exact number, but comparatively, where does it stack rank in terms of importance and driving growth at Booktopia?
0: It's a tricky question because there's a few different answers to it. Revenue-wise, it's a significant component. It's important for us. But more than the revenue, it's about the positioning of the brand. It's about the positioning of the company. And it's about understanding all the different channels that you need to engage to engage a customer 360. Mm -hmm. And what I mean with that is when you work in e-commerce, there's no ifs or buts about it. You do need to do paid search to some extent. You need to have paid acquisition to a degree. And with global CPCs rising across the board all the time, there's a big volatility for most companies to have. And I think most companies within e-commerce probably sit somewhere north of 20% of their revenues comes from paid acquisition. I'm being very generous here. Most Mm -hmm. companies have lots higher than Mm -hmm. that. But for the sake of making it equal here, with all of that is the degree of impact that you can have on the CPCs as well. You can own your own narrative as a company. And part Mm -hmm. of that is making sure that you're having the best conversion rates and the best click-through rates. And you get that by growing your brand and making sure that your brand Mm -hmm. is well-known and well-loved your industry and your brand needs to be symbiotically aligned. Mm -hmm. Whenever people are thinking about your vertical, then it needs to think about your brand. You can only create that by being part of all the conversations that's happening in those particular Mm -hmm. verticals. And that's, again, where partnerships, affiliate, and influence are incredibly powerful when you know that wherever you turn, whatever media destination, whatever platform, online, offline, Mm -hmm. wherever it might be where people are talking about books, there needs to be a conversation that talks about Booktopia. And I agree with that. Could, I
1: think it helps your other media work harder. It's definitely, you mentioned effective. 360. Yeah, you mentioned 360. I look at it as very much a concerted effort. All of this marketing essentially working together for omnipresence, you know, where you become that standard You know, and people are buying that thing.
0: In practical terms, better brand, better reach, mm-hmm. more impressions, mm-hmm. more distribution leads to better click-through rates and higher conversion rates, mm-hmm. lower CPCs, more effective paid advertising. Yeah.
1: Where do you see the trend going for you within partnerships? You offered some incredible examples of very creative ways you're drawing alliances with other businesses, other publishers. Where do you see this going? Are there any trends that you're seeing out there that you're particularly excited about?
0: It's funny. Two months ago, three months ago, everybody was kind of laughing when I talked about online gaming and the metaverse. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Facebook. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of memes going out right now even Tom Fishburne made a joke around the whole thing that this is the new flashy thing for marketers we're talking about the gaming industry we're talking about the Robloxes and the Fortnite's of the world and some of the absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic and amazing really groundbreaking ways that they have been using these new platforms because of their reach because of their communities and their sizes I still think even though people are laughing it might not be feasible to really put a lot of effort into it right now the metaverse virtual reality the gaming destinations these universes that are being occupied by literally millions of human beings across Mm -hmm. the world, rallying against the common interest, commonality there, this is where it's going to happen in the future. The question is when. And I think now that Facebook has just come out and repositioned themselves to align with their previous acquisitions in Oculus Rift, and everybody's saying this is a new thing. It's not. This has been their position since 2014 when they acquired Oculus Rift. This was where they were going. And Mark Zuckerberg always knew that this was the battleground that Facebook needed to take at some point. Was it beneficial Mm -hmm. that it was in the middle of a PR disaster and... (laughs) A little bit of a branding benefits or repositioning benefits, perhaps. But Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most interesting areas right now. And I think for partnerships and for affiliate and for performance marketing, these new battlegrounds lend themselves really, really well for the Mm. technologies out there that can be integrated within digital ecosystems and worlds. So I think that's incredibly interesting. And Mm. we might be five, 10 years away from this being practical application Mm -hmm. for most companies and for most businesses. But you did ask me what I thought was interesting. And I think that's interesting. It is
1: interesting. And I think what's critical, whether that becomes as big as you're predicting or something else, I think it really comes down to that native, authentic experience. I think that has to be woven into any exposure of your brand to that consumer that you're trying to do business with. And I would imagine that there is a way to get your brand talked about in that sort of meta universe. And I think what's key in that is that we're not talking about An ad slot. This is how do you become part of information that's exchanged? Right. And what I'd like to explore in that concept is are consumers engaging in like commercial research activity? You know, are they trying to discover something to buy? Just shifting to what I think is the trend, which could be related to what you just said, is I think today's modern consumer is very much leaning in. They're very much an active shopper. They didn't used to be. They used to be a little bit more passive and reactive. They would go to a mall and trip over a deal and buy it. But I don't think anyone buys that way anymore. I think they care about the brands that they're doing business with. They know that there's a lot of choice. They can buy books from a lot of different places. That's why I kind of enjoy starting this conversation off. How'd you build a brand that consumers love? Because I think consumers want to buy from businesses that they love. It's not about just getting the best deal anymore. And they want to make sure that their values are aligned with your values and vice versa. All these things matter, right? There's just a lot of search and discovery and research that's going into these many buying decisions that are happening right now. And I don't care what platform is evolving. I think the challenge to you as a brand is how do you get yourself part of that environment, that meta universe to where there's commercial information exchange and your brand is part of that. I think that that's always going to be the challenge here going forward. It's not about the disruptive nature of jamming a message in front of somebody that they didn't ask for. It's about how to be part of the information that they're actively seeking. that to me is the challenge and it may take many different forms and platforms on how that information is actually exchanged. but I think the challenge will always remain. how do you as a brand be part of that essentially
0: Very well said Dave. but I also think that's why it's important that you have all the right people in your company that's part of that journey and can look at it in all those different lenses because like you said, it is about figuring out well, where is the conversation happening and then how can you partake in that
1: Now talking about you personally, I know that you're originally from Europe. You've lived in several different countries. So looking at your career, I'm just curious, was there anything that you think led you to your role as CMO at Booktopia, the great work that you're doing in partnerships, anything about influences throughout your life that you think were important about getting you to the professional level of achievement that you've been able to rise to?
0: A few different ones. I've been living in a few different countries, Italy, Indonesia, originally from Denmark, been living abroad for the past 12 years, 15 years, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. It's quite a while. I think some of the major things is that I don't consider myself a marketer. I consider myself a lover of digital and problem solving and e-commerce and and marketing as well. So more of a growth person. And my background really sits within starting up a few different companies in a few different areas, including in e-commerce and digital agency back in the day as well. But I think some of the major influences on my life and my career was two things, really. From a leadership perspective, my time in the Danish army where I was taught to lead. And I think a lot of people consider army and military as being all the opposites of empathy. I strongly disagree with that. The Danish army is one of the best educations you can get in Denmark around leadership, Mm -hmm. how to nurture and train a group of people. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the army was around empathy, going in front and how to motivate a group of very, very very different human beings that absolutely have nothing in common other than the fact that they hate your guts. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be there. And they want to go home to their parties and their school and their friends. And you are just an obstruction. When you learn how to motivate that group of people, you can motivate anything. I think that's one of the toughest things that I've ever had to do in my life. But the learnings from them follow me in the rest of my career. Mm -hmm. But from a sales perspective, I did spend some time in the army and got a lot of great values and a lot of great principles and tenacity out of that. But at the same time, I also ventured into e-commerce and I started in my journey selling products online. I started out by selling my then girlfriend's used jewelry on a marketplace in Denmark. She was working at a jewelry store and she needed to get rid of some of her jewelry. And I suggested that I could try and sell it online. I had no experience with that whatsoever many, many years ago, 2004, four, five, whatever it was. And so I tried selling it online. And when I sold one of her used jewelries, that first time, that feeling of, satisfaction, that immediate jolt of accomplishment. It was almost like a game. It was like winning a game. I was just hooked immediately. And I just knew that there was something there and I needed to keep doing it. So I asked yeah. her if I could sell some more of her jewelry. And I guess one thing led to another. And to make a very long story short, I got so hooked with it that when I was done selling all of her used jewelry, I started trying to fish around for more jewelry, and literally going out and buying inventory, even though I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just trying to get mm-hmm. some stock of something that I could sell. And slowly grew it into getting a lot of new products in, going into electronics that grew to a legit full-time business. And there came a point where the boxes of products were stacked up from the floor to the ceiling. And my partner said, you need to get that out of here now, (laughs) (laughs) doing that. It just kind of grew organically from there. And you know, it was really just selling products, creating a profit on it. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew it was fun. And I just knew mm-hmm. that I absolutely loved mm-hmm. it and kept going with it. And then I think I just gravitated toward new new verticals, got into electronics, shipped them in from China, from factories in China, and just grew it from there. Went into full-time electronics with Samsung, Sony, Apple back in the day as well. Mm -hmm. Going into all of that, then also starting up digital agencies and working within that area. So everything was just around digital, growing things online and marketing. And I guess that's kind of how I cut my teeth on it in the early years.
1: That's excellent. I didn't realize that you and I had so much in common. I was actually in the U.S. Navy. Went to boot camp right out of high school and I wound up getting a scholarship to college as a lieutenant in the Navy. So everything that you said about empathy and the leadership lessons incredibly transferable to business. I appreciate you sharing that. I think just your natural curiosity on things and doing it for the love of it, not because you're trying to be rich or for any other reason. I think that's what helps businesses evolve, right? So as we look to move to how modern consumers are shopping and that journey today, keeping your brand, Booktopia, relevant to how things are shaping and changing, I'm sure is part of what's driving your success here. And I know that you've always been keen on the technology front. So I just got to ask you, what's your advice to anyone who is looking to build out their technology platform, whether it's just general, MarTech, or specific to partnerships? What's your advice in that realm?
0: People first. Before that, strategy. Start with developing a strategy that makes sense for you for the growth of the business and where you need to go and what's imperative for the resilience, both of brand and revenue and profitability and where you're going as a company and then develop the skill sets internally in the, in the company to cover off all those strategies or tactics. Mm-hmm. And when you get got your team in place, then you need to find the right tools for that team to be the most effective that they can possibly be. And within that comes the hard, Challenge for many companies, which is finding a tool and finding technologies that really fits with both the team, their skills, and the culture and the business and where they're going. So you need to be able to look into the future and say, this is where we need to be in five years or two or three years as a mm-hmm. company, and what are the critical capabilities that we need to be able to get there? And then again, structure your team, structure your strategy after that first, and then get the tools into the business that facilitates that. The amount of times that I've been seeing people buying solutions or software or tools that it's basically like putting a child in an F-16 cockpit. In the right hands, it might be able to do a lot of great, great things. But hey, maybe you don't have the headcount to allocate 15 people, or 20 people to a particular tool to get the full value out of that. So I think that the really, really important thing here is to really align the selection of marketing technology to the people that you have in the business and how you're seeing it growing. So you don't overextend. We're back to relationships. It's never going to be a sustainable relationship if you're buying tools that are basically worthless for you. You're going to be ending up feeling that the company that you chose doesn't do the job well enough, which might not be fair. It might be a brilliant tool for the right team that's in the right position that can leverage all the great functionalities. So I think right-sizing is important, but strategy, people, and skills, and then choosing the right technology to facilitate that. And then make sure that you're covering off all the basics around integration into all the tools.
1: I know what's been important for you is owning that technology. I remember you talking about in the past and the trackability within that. Any insight there to share as well?
0: Yeah, it might be a bit on the nose here, maybe too much. But one of the first things I did when I arrived at Booktopia and came into the role here was, of course, look at all the channels, look at the strategy and revisit what we did there. And one of the first strategy or tactical pivots was around partnerships and what we did there. We had managed solutions in the past where it was manual support by affiliate agencies with your typical overrides and what have you not. And I think that can be brilliant for a lot of companies. Again, depending on the situation, the staff that you have and where you are in your maturity around partnerships and influences and, and affiliates. But for us, we were at a point where we really needed to own the narrative. We needed to be able to craft the complexities of the likes of the Audis and all mm-hmm. the good partnerships that I mentioned before. That does require you to have ownership of a lot of different things. You need to be able to mm-hmm. control things you need to be able to be hands on and have the right people within the business so you can nimbly in a very agile buzzword fest here. but So you can really adapt to the pace that you need to execute on, but also with the people that you have in the business it needs to be people who are completely absorbed with your own vertical and your own categories and so they can see your opportunities. And for us, because I knew I wanted to go down this route of strategic partnerships at some point, it was critically important that we owned everything from contract creation to structuring of deals based on mechanics, like how do they perform? What do they do? What have they been buying in the past? How are they navigating the website is a new customer, existing customer? So being able to do smart contracting at scale was critically important for my growth. And I think we perhaps brag a little bit about it, but we're talking about a very, very mature business that's been existing for 14, 15 years when I came in there with a very, very mature program already. After that strategic pivot, we grew 220%. Incredible. In that channel alone, yeah. 220%. These are multi-million dollar revenues we're talking about that we're multiplying here. Mm-hmm. a few thousand dollars that had small growth in quantity.
1: use the word maturity. And that is something that I key in on with our existing customers. We talk about levels of maturity, just call it like levels one through five, let's say. And typically that lower level of maturity is someone who is stuck on your typical affiliate rewards types of publishers. And if that that's kind of the extent of your vision for what partnerships can do for your business, then maybe working with an affiliate network and outsourcing it to a managed service may be fine for that stage of maturity. But what we try and do is push clients like yourself, you get got there on your own, to higher levels of maturity that basically adopts a more diversified partnership strategy. One of the key things is those direct partnerships, like finding ways to contract directly with a partner just on its own opens up a whole world of innovation. I've just seen it so many different times. Like there's ways to share data, ideas on how to really get behind the products and promote each other, quite frankly. I love hearing that. I think that's exactly right. And you you can't boil an ocean, right? There's a path to get there. Not every organization is set up for it out of the Mm -hmm. gate. It may take years of work, but I think relative to, again, how consumers are researching and making buying decisions today, I think every business today has to get there, has to be working on improving their level of maturity in this category of partnerships. So I appreciate you sharing that.
0: And I think that goes across anything that we really do in business as well. There's always a point of graduation, mm-hmm. whether or not you in-house or whether or not you outsource, whether or not that design or digital marketing. is a good example, we do everything in-house. We didn't really touch on that. Booktopia is a 20-man team, so we don't work with any agencies. We do everything in-house. We focus on creating the right culture and the right environment for highly skilled experts to really flourish here and grow with the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's critically important for many verticals to really create that complete ownership around mm-hmm. all the user journeys. You need to have people who eat, sleep, and breathe your vertical and make sure that they focus on that. There comes a point where you graduate from what you were doing, as you know, an agency might have helped you to get where you needed to be right now. And maybe you've created the position within the company that you can now graduate to different ways of thinking that can grow the company further.
1: Been an incredibly inspiring conversation. It seems like all pistons firing here for Booktopia and everything that you're doing there. But gotta ask one last question: Maybe is there anything that keeps you up at night? Are there any concerns that you're seeing out there that has you a little concerned?
0: Customers thinking about what can we do to create the best experience for customers every single day. Everything we do is oriented and centralized, thinking around customers all the time. And I know everybody says that, and not many people really preach it, but that really is it customers and colleagues, really. Mm -hmm. How do we create an environment that's inspiring, that's positive and collaborative, set a high bar, but at the same time also focusing on how do we deliver the best experience for customers? Maybe that's why I'm so interested in all these other technologies that you can see that human beings are gravitating towards, like the metaverse that we talked about earlier on. It's not really buzzwords. It's paying attention to the trends that defines either a generation or, or particular cohorts of human beings and then figuring out how can you be relevant to them. And I think it's important to pay attention to these things. Then you need to put your business hat on, of course, make sure you don't divert, <laughs> divert all your focus and your attention and then operation towards something that's unprofitable, and feasible. But you need to have the, like you said, the curiosity and the care around both customers, what they do, and the same with your team. Those are the two things. Yeah, Yeah. and I
1: think you know, with all the choice out there, I have to imagine that every brand has that same concern. And that's another reason why it's forcing brands to go deeper than a transactional level with the consumer. You got to connect with them on a deeper level. And the information, the why that's part of that information, I think offers that deeper connection. So I don't think you're alone (laughs) (laughs) in having that keep you up at night. Stefan, you've been incredibly generous with your time. I, for one, learned a ton. And I know our audience did as well. I just loved our conversation today. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I look forward to maybe seeing you soon in Sydney. I'm Dave Ivano. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to the Partnership Economy Podcast.